1: Let's go defense, Ryan, and let's start off with this. I think this – this I want to talk about the defense overall. One thing I don't think Notre Dame fans have enough of appreciation against is has the defense been great? No. It, are there areas where it needs to get better? Absolutely. The defense can and must play better than it has so far through the first five games. Yep. What I don't think enough Notre Dame fans are taking into account, however, is the context of who Notre Dame has played. And I'm getting a lot of complaining about you know, oh, they're not doing this and they're not doing that, and they need to play better here and play better there. And, and you know, my thing is, I, I don't think the people that are doing that and like and look, it, it's got to get better, this area run defense. I wrote an article this week saying the rush defense has to get better, and we'll talk about that. But I think what people also have to have to kind of consider is this is a this is an offense in my opinion or defense in my opinion that that also has played some very good football teams so far this year. Notre Dame has played three offenses that after last week's games rank in the top 20 and actually the top 17 in offensive efficiency. Ohio State's number 1. North Carolina I think it's 14th and BYU is 17th. Or so they've played really good teams so far this season. And what 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 we have to look at is like has Notre Dame been good no uh yes have they been great no but here's something you have to consider if you're going to if you're going to evaluate the defense here's some numbers I'd like for you to consider that Notre Dame has held every single one of their opponents to the defense has held every single one of their opponents to at least eight points below their season scoring average and at least 59 yards below their season average the lowest point difference was Cal that was 8.8. The lowest yards different was Marshall at 59. After the, you take out the 8.8 for Cal, every other opponent has been at least 10 yard, 10 points below their season scoring average against Notre Dame. Now we're just looking about offense versus defense. So Marshall scored 26 points. I'm only counting 19 as we look at the matchup against the Notre Dame defense because a pick six is not the defense giving that play up. I just, you can't put that on the defense. Every other opponent has been at least 134, at least, uh, uh, excuse me, at least 102 yards below their season total in yards Mm -hmm. per game. Now, that's with the Notre Dame games in the statistics. If you take the Notre Dame games out, considering they held every team to below their season averages, those numbers go up even higher. If you take the Ohio State game out, if you take the Notre Dame game away from Ohio State, Notre Dame is holding held Ohio State to something like almost 40 points below their season scoring average, you know, over 30 points below their season scoring average, even as it stands today with Notre Dame holding them to 21 points, they've held Ohio State to 27 yards points below their season average, 148.7 below their season yards average, North Carolina, who is a top 15 offense They held them to 10.3 points below their season scoring average. It gets close to 20 if you take the Notre Dame game out. And they held North Carolina with those big plays at the end, still 134 yards below their season average. BYU was held 12 points below their current season scoring average and 134.8 yards below their season total offense average. Jaron Hall had his worst career game from a yard standpoint, his worst career game from a completion standpoint, and his worst career game from a completion percentage standpoint. Worst of his career uh, as a starter. And then Marshall was held 10 points below their season average, 59 yards below their season average. Cal was held 8.8 points below their season average and 102 yards below their season average. So, The defense has been good. Can it be great? Yes, but it needs to get better to be great. But let's not get it twisted. This has still been a good defensive football team. I think the issue that a lot of people are having, and I'm actually okay with it, is they hold the defense to such a high standard. They look at the numbers and the fact that they haven't had a great four-quarter game, and they say that's not good enough. But again, it's harder to do that when you're playing really good offenses week after week. They're going to hit a stretch now over the next couple games where they're not playing very good offenses. Or UNLV's actually had a pretty decent offense this year, Ryan, for who they've played. It's a terrible matchup for them against Notre Dame. Yes. And so it's one bad offense or one not very good offense, and then another offense is you just need to be able to overwhelm. Mm -hmm. And so that's something I think we need to all understand and take into context.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate – Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need
2: Indeed.
1: If you love drinking coffee every morning, you have to check out Trade Coffee. Trade makes it super easy to get the best coffee delivered fresh from the finest local roasters around the country. Trade Coffee is a coffee subscription service that makes it so simple for you to discover new coffees and make your best cup of coffee at home every day. No fancy equipment required. Trade partners with the nation's top-rated independent roasters to send you coffee that they know you'll love, fresh to your home and on your preferred schedule. And you get to support small, local businesses, which is a win-win. Whether you already know what you like or are new to specialty coffee and need some help, Trade makes it easy and convenient to discover new coffees. They'll send you ground coffee or whole beans for however you make coffee at home. My wife likes a dark roast with full flavor. And every brand we've tried has lived up to the billing, whether it's the Big City Blend from Joe's Coffee, the Black Velvet from Atomic Coffee Roasters, or the Holmes Blend from Sparrows. Every cup has not only had a pleasing aroma while brewing, but also a rich, full taste. So whether you're just getting started or a coffee aficionado looking to discover something new, trade guarantees you'll love your first bag or they'll send you a new one for free. Upgrade your coffee today with Trade Coffee and let them take the guesswork out of finding your perfect cup. Right now, Trade is offering our listeners a total of $30 off your subscription, plus free shipping at drinktrade.com Irish. That's drinktrade.com Irish for $30 off your subscription to the best coffees in the country. That's drinktrade.com Irish. The I will say the one exception to that is the rush defense. So all that to say this area, this area right here, there's two areas where Notre Dame has to get better. One we've talked about, limit the big plays that are coming from blown assignments. Right? Clean that stuff up. You've had like five of them all year. Clean that stuff up. That that That's got to be fixed now. The second one is the rush defense has not been good and it's been an assignment standpoint from the linebackers, but there have also been times where teams have gotten movement that makes me not like what I'm seeing from the defensive line as well. This is the area that has to get better, and this is a game that they should get better because Stanford, we talked about context. Stanford through the first two games of the season, Ryan. They had 169 yards against uh, Colgate. And some, uh, a Colgate alum said, thanks for not making fun of uh, the school and the two-spacing. I, I like seeing that. that's kind of low-hanging fruit. So we, we, we're we not going to go I, there. I, I
3: did that like four weeks ago.
1: Yeah. So I'm yeah. guilty of that. <laughs> so we're not going to do that anymore. Uh, but Stanford, after the first two games, was averaging 195 rushing yards per game. Yeah. Then EJ Smith got hurt. Mm-hmm. And since, six, since then, they've gone for 86 against Washington – They went for 127 against Oregon, and they went for 90 against Oregon State. That's 101 yards per game. They averaged 2.4 yards per attempt against Washington. They went for 3.7 against Oregon and 3.3 against Oregon State. Since EJ's been out and his teams have kind of gotten used to that long mesh thing that they're doing, their run game has gone back to what it was last year, which is not good. And to make matters worse, Miles Hinton is coming back. Not 100%. He's missed the last two games. But the entire left side of their offensive line is out for this game. David Shaw reported, I think, yesterday. Oh, man. So Walter oh. Rouse is out. And I'm trying to remember who their left. the name of their left guard is, Ryan. Can you help me out with this one? It, their left guard's name is Jake Hornerbrook. Hornerbrook, uh, yes. Yes. I remember
3: I, I actually I looked at that name and I was like, I wonder if he's related to Alex Hornerbrook that used to play for Wisconsin. I don't know if the answer to that. I,
1: but, be- yeah. I believe he is. I believe he okay. is, but I he's he was related to a kid that played at Clemson as well. Gotcha. Uh, so um, also, that seems yes. like a
3: pretty seems like a pretty rare name. Like yes. I haven't heard, I haven't met too many Hornerbrooks in my lifetime.
1: So not only is Stanford not good at running the football, but Stanford's going to be out two of their starting offensive linemen, and yep. their best offensive lineman is coming back from an injury, which means he's unlikely that he's one hundred percent. Sure. So this is flat out. This is the the ultimate get right game for the Notre Dame rush defense, which it looked like it was ascending. That's the frustrating thing about last week. We talked about the overall team. Don't take a step back, Mm -hmm. right? And so Notre Dame took a step back. Now, I will say this. Breaking down the film, there were some mistakes made in that game. If we're going to make some excuses, no Jacob Lacey, no Howard Cross, that matters. And number two, I felt like you look at the game plan. I felt like Notre Dame was okay. If you want to try to run the ball on us, run the ball on us. We're not going to let Jaron Hall beat us. And they didn't. Because, because BYU is not a great running team. So Notre Dame was willing to give a little bit in that as long as it meant they weren't throwing the ball over your head. And outside of one play, they didn't throw it over their head. And so I think schematically there was a little purpose to allowing BYU. Now, within that, there was bad execution to your sure. point, right, sure. which you broke down on Monday night. I don't think they were saying, hey, we'll give up 160 rushing yards. We're okay with that. No, they were just willing to, you know, look, if you want to try to run it on us, you can run it on us. You know, you can try and run it on us. If they would have cleaned up a couple plays, it would have been even better. The third long and then the touchdown run were two, are two horrible plays. Outside of that, they, they, they got a 12-yard run here, eight-yard run here, but they weren't, like, ripping Notre Dame up. So you still got to clean some stuff up. But this is the kind of game where you've got to be able to to do that. You've got to be able to make Stanford one-dimensional. Stanford does not have the weapons on the perimeter to beat you if they're one-dimensional. They can beat you if there's some balance. And so they've got to dominate the line of scrimmage. They've got to shut down the run game. It's just like the North Carolina game. We've said this now three weeks in a row. They've played good. The best thing you can do to stop a good passing team is not let them have any kind of running attack. Mm-hmm. where you can just then game plan for their past game. And that means the defensive line, Howard Cross, I expect him to be back this week. You know, I, I the defensive line has got to get figure out who's going to play. You know, Gabriel Rubio is going to learn from the issues he had last week at times. Uh, the defensive line has got to dominate this game, Ryan. Absolutely yeah. has to dominate this game. And they've got to because you can't scheme to stop the run. When we talk about shutting down the run game of a team that likes to throw the ball, it's got to happen from your... It's basically your box, right? So it's like your Mike Will and your inside backers, or I mean your mm-hmm. interior defensive linemen and your edge players. It's got to be that. It can't be run fits from the second, third level, and your rovers got to be, you know, contracting down. It's got to be in the box. You dominate, yep. and that's going to be the key to this game for me.
3: Well, and Brian, that was like the the thing I was going to start with, you know, with this conversation is you see these numbers for Stanford, they're bad, right? Like they're not good numbers. And that's even misleading because of what EJ Smith was doing early on in the season. Like he's a really good running back. Right now, they don't have a guy that's a difference maker at the running back position. They don't like the 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 what's his name? Um Philkins, I think is the is the yeah, running Filkins. back that's Casey Philkins. Yeah, Casey Philkins. Then case uh, they have Robinson as their backup. Their their key backup at the running back position. Yeah, and Caleb. if you watch them, yeah, Caleb. If you watch them on film, they are very. One notes, they're not going to make a, uh, they're not going to create a bunch of explosive plays, right? Like, that's not their game. That's not their game. I think Falcons is averaging like 4.1 yards a carry. Like, he's a very, like, keep it moving type of running back, right? Mm -hmm. So, I think for me, these numbers, Notre Dame needs to come out of this football game with us talking about how those rushing numbers on their side of things are a lot better next week, right? Like, they Mm -hmm. cannot have a performance where, your gaps ungap sound and you give up a long run or something like that like this cannot be the game where there's those stupid plays where you shoot yourself in the foot cuz you're not doing your job right we need a good cohesive ability to stop the run this week against Notre Dame and to your point and I agree with it 100% Notre Dame defensive line wise like Isaiah Foskey but like for, for instance right Isaiah's had a really good done a really good job the last couple weeks, especially I think in the run game. You know, mm-hmm. setting firm edge, being physical with his hand usage, all that good stuff. In this game, whether it's against a under uh, less than one hundred percent miles hitting or a backup left tackle, whether that is Barrett Miller or whoever it ends up being the starting offensive tackle, there you have to dominate that football game, man. Yeah. We've been talking about you all off season and even until now about potential first round pick, dominant football player, all these things, which he is. He has to show it in this game, man. Right. Like this can't be a game where he's just invisible for parts of this game. Like you need to dominate this game. We've talked a ton about Jason Adam Alola, right? With Hornerbrook out. And the uh, interior offensive line just not being very good in general, even when he does play. He Jason was. The, would you say he
1: was their best interior lineman so far this year, Potterbrook? Him, him or new? Him or new? I guess. Yeah.
3: Yeah. yeah. Center, I mean, yeah. I mean, they're both okay players. Like they're not bad football players, but especially with that unit having a player down. I mean, Jason Amolod needs to dominate this football yes. game. Power Cross is near hundred percent. He needs to dominate this football game. You need to see the defensive lineman absolutely come out of this game and say like they. Stanford offensive line-wise had nothing for that group. They had nothing for right. them. Like, there's no excuses in this game. This is one where you're playing a bad unit overall offensive line-wise. They have not been a good unit, and they're down two of their starters. Like, there is zero, zero excuses for this to not be a dominant performance by this in, by this defensive line and this front seven. Notre Dame needs to play a lot better than they have been on the second level especially, but it all starts, to your points, with the defensive line dominating this football game.
1: Ryan, the uh, the chat has gone off the rails. Anthony Solomon said, so Brian is advocating for Pine to run the triple option. Mark Brown said, Brian needs to get over his love for the triple option. I don't know what started all that or what I said. Could you
3: say something <laughs> about the triple option? I have no idea.
1: <laughs> but the chat has gone off the rails talking about the triple option. So I don't know what I said to to say that. But, Ryan, I think you nailed the analysis of this. And the one thing I'll add, mm-hmm. where the second level and third level – when I say second level, the out the print. So the rover safeties and corners, where they need to be good against the run, is on the stuff with the tight ends and, re- and the reverses. Because here, here to show you how how it's even worse. EJ Smith was averaging six point nine yards per carry. He because he he was like you said the one note guy. EJ can hammer it up the middle, but he was really smooth. He had great feet. He was having he had a couple cutbacks against USC where I'm like I didn't know he could do that like he was an okay player in high school I didn't love EJ coming to high school we had mm-hmm. some cuts I'm like boy that boy that kid's got a chance to finally get Stanford out of it doldrums as a, as a rushing team since yep. he's been hurt it's been bad uh, Philkins is averaging 4.1 yards per carry Robinson you mentioned is averaging 3, 3.1 yards per carry the number three back Brendan Barrows, averaging 4.17 yards per carry that's on six carries here's where they've found success rushing the football Benjamin Urosek, their tight end, has a 50-yard uh, gain on a In reverse. Yeah, Michael Wilson, their wide receiver, has three carries for 40 yards, and Elijah Higgins has a carry for 18 yards. You take those wide receiver. I'm actually going to do that now that I now that I'm thinking about it. <laughs> I'm going to take those 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 plays out of the equation, and Stanford is averaging, let's see here, on the season 117 yards per game. Mm-hmm. and I'm going to take one so I got to take five carries out of it. They're averaging 3.5 yards per carry. You take the tight end and reverses and stuff out of the equation, they go from 4.1 per carry to 3.5. They go from 138.6 per game to 117. That's where the second the third level in the perimeter can be effective is be disciplined. Yes. Right. Be disciplined. Cause Casey Filkins is not beating you on the perimeter. At least he shouldn't. It's going to be a bad sign if he does, where they can hurt you on the perimeters with the jets and the reverses. So being smart in that regard is going to be the key for that one.
3: My my eyes are going to be on Benjamin Eurosec this whole game, Brian. Like that's going to be the guy, man. Whether I mean yeah. we're talking about the passing game here in a let's second, right? Let's so
1: let's I mean I it's mean, a good segue right into that, Ryan. So let's yeah. let's let's dive into it. Let's dive into it. Because this is the one area where Stanford can match up with Notre Dame statistically. This is the one area, this entire football game, from a big pick, and there's like a stat here, a stat there. Just I'm saying overall statistically, on paper, they can match up Mm -hmm. because Notre Dame has one of the worst touchdown-to-interception ratios allowed in the country because they only have one touchdown or one interception. We saw that last week. And part of that, and that's partly why they rank 93rd in pass efficiency defense. (laughs) Uh, Although their pass defense has been good, their pass defense is still giving up to me too high of a yards per or, or a, a, a yards per com, or percentage, completion percentage rate uh because of the first two games. But the last three games it's been much better, much more disruptive. They allowed 70.6 completions in game one, 76.2 in game two, which is terrible. Yeah. The three games since they held Cal, they held Cal to 43.2, North Carolina to 53.1. In BYU to 52.9. So they're definitely getting better uh, than what they've been. That's a great sign. That's Mm -hmm. a great sign. Now, they've got to continue that this week because if you can make Stanford inefficient in the pass game, they have no chance to score. The only hope Stanford has in this game is to beat you in the pass game. That means protecting the quarterback something they have not been good at, and it's even worse now that they're down two offensive linemen. Yep. And so that's – defense. you talked about the D-line needs to dominate, Foskey needs to dominate. This is an opportunity for Foskey to say, okay, guys, I've, I've been good this year but not great. It's time for me to take this thing over. Great chance for him to do that. Same with Jason Adamiola, to do the same thing. Yep. But they have to be able to, to handle this. And, and I'm very curious to see what Al Golden's game plan is going to be because this is a completely different pass game than what they've played all year. Yes. It's it's more of a West Coast pass offense mm-hmm. where David Mitchell has adapted his West Coast off. I mean, you're going to see why banana you're going to see, all, you know, you're going to see all the West Coast stuff. Right. You're going to see Y option. You're going to see all that kind of stuff. But he has adopt He has adapted his West Coast to fit the fact that the one thing he's been able to consistently get on his team from a recruiting standpoint. is Giants. Yes. <laughs> right. And so he's going to do that. What's the plan for that? I'm very curious about that does Notre Dame play more cover two? Do they do more things to help over the top? Like what's the plan going to be to kind of defend against the size that Stanford brings? Because Notre Dame has been playing teams that had precision route runners and, you know, quickness and speed. Mm -hmm. They haven't played a team that just has size. Right. Right. Even Ohio state. I mean, Ohio, I mean, Marvin Harrison's a big kid. But he's more of a speed guy. You know, he's not a guy that, that that Ohio State at the time was just throwing a bunch of jump balls to, although maybe they should have after the catch he had against Michigan State last week. But, you know, like they they didn't do that against Notre Dame, right? No. North Carolina doesn't really do that. BYU's not that kind of team. They will. You can have blanket coverage on these kids, and, and Tanner McKee is still going to throw the ball to him. Yep. And And so what's the plan for that? What's the plan to help for that? But that also goes back to why the box has to be so good against the run. Because if you have to start using your safeties to run fit against the – with the linebackers, if the linebackers don't play a much better game this week and the safeties have to help as much as they have in recent weeks and you've got to play a lot of cover one, a lot of cover three, Stanford will hurt you on the perimeter with jump balls. I don't care how good your coverage is. And that's the concern. That's the – when we talked about Stanford can do things to hurt you, Ryan, this is the area we were talking about. Yeah. Yeah. I
3: mean, because they have Elijah Higgins at 6'3", 234 pounds. They have Humphreys, who's a taller player. They have um, Bryson – last name's escaping me for a second. Um, Bryson, the one that injured himself. Bryson Tremaine. Yep, Bryson Mm -hmm. Tremaine, who's a taller player. Michael Wilson is the smaller wide receiver, and he's 6'2", 210, right? He's a big boy as well.
1: So let me read this real quick, Ryan. I'm going to just read the size of their starting lineup. Michael Wilson, 6'2", and I'm going to go smallest to to biggest height-wise. Yeah. Michael Wilson is 6'2", 210. Elijah uh, Higgins is 6'3", 234. Bryson Chermaine is 6'4", 212. Benjamin Urasek is tight end 6'4", 242. Their backups, uh, Medea Rubin. I'm sorry, I just, I'm just i going to pronounce it that way, even if it's not, because I think that's just flipping hilarious that that looks like someone's name is Medea. Uh, 6'2", 209. Silas Starr is 6'2", John Humphreys, who plays a decent amount, is 6'5", 209. And their backup tight end, Sam Rausch is 65 245. Yes. Their smallest guy is 62 209. Mm-hmm. That's that that's I mean, yes, they're big. They're, they're big. Huge. And they move okay. I mean, these aren't like tall slow guys no. either. I mean, these they're not burners, but these are guys that are good athletes for their size. Yes. As yeah. well.
3: I mean, like I wrote in the, the preview of a couple of their offensive standouts. I, I mean I wrote that Elijah Higgins is pretty good explosiveness for his size, right? Like he's not gonna run by you, but he can get on top of a guy and you know have some leverage to win down the football field, right? Like those are what no this is what Stanford has. Brian, it's it's interesting because I wanted to have this conversation with you that you say, What is what is Al Golden gonna do? What's his game plan gonna be? This is what I am interested to see from that perspective, right? So you have a bunch of wide receivers that can win some jump balls, can win some contested catches, but they're not after catch players, right? Like Michael Wilson is the only guy that gives you a little bit, in my opinion, of the mainstays, a little something after the catch. Mm-hmm. Even he doesn't give you like a ton, but he gives you a little bit, right?
1: So he he's catch are, and run too, right? He's the one guy yes. that you worry about, like, you know, catching. If he gets a step on you on a cross, he can, yeah. you know, not lose that ground. And, and so, yes, in that regard, that to me is catch and run as well. 100% but yep. not make you miss there's exactly to your point, yeah to your point they're,
3: this is not a yak team right this is not like a yards after catch you're going to make you miss in space break a ton of I mean I'll break some tackles because they're huge but they're not going to turn a medium gain into an explosive play usually right like they're usually a we're going to catch the ball where we are and we're going to gain maybe a couple more yards and that's going to kind of be the impact of of what our well what our impact is in general right so you put that into the conversation of, hey, offensive line has not been very good. They've been up a lot of sacks, sixteen on the season, ranks 107th in the nation. And also, you're down to your to your offensive lineman. One is, you know, arguably your best. I mean, whether you want to, I think it's Miles Hinton, but like if you want to say Walter Rouse is the best Stanford offensive lineman, like, cool. You know, we can have that conversation. I'm good with that. But so you have an offensive line that's struggling with injuries. On top of it, you have a quarterback that's a statue right? Like he is not moving out of the pocket and you have wide receivers that can't really hurt you getting into space and creating explosive in, plays and
1: with, and with pure stretch, just yes. pure stretching you. Yes.
3: Yeah. I'm thinking like, okay, if we get a pressure, if Notre Dame gets early pressure on Tanner McKee, is there a player where like, oh, they hit a quick spot on an underneath route and then he's able to explode for 50 yards. Like there's nobody on that side. Right. For me. So I'm curious, Brian, like, cause I was talking about it like almost every week how Notre Dame getting home with four is so important because they have guys up front that gives you that, that opportunity, potentially. I'm curious if Al Golden is more aggressive from a blitzing perspective this week. I'm really curious about that. I don't know if that's the answer. I don't know if that's what he's going to go for. I don't know what his ideology on it's going to be, but I'm interested with the injuries, the offensive line, with the wide receivers that aren't going to create a ton of explosive plays after the catch and a quarterback that is not the fleetest of foot, I'm curious to see if he just says, "Hey, we're going to bring a little more pressure than maybe we have been in some weeks because we know if we get quick pressure on this team, they're probably not going to do well against it." Just my thought
1: process. I, I personally, because yeah. of what we talked about the other things, I would, I would say, let's see if we can get pressure with our front four. Yeah, I would do no more than like on first and second down. I'm doing run stunts. Which then mm-hmm. turn into. I mean, that's kind of how you should teach it, right? If, if a run stunt, like you hit the gap, and if you see pass, you run through it and you get to the quarterback. I mean, you don't just stop, like, oh shoot, they're not running. I guess I guess I can just hang out right here, right? You you know, you have a responsibility to run through to the back. You know, could be that responsibility to run through to the quarterback. I would do some maybe some run stunts early downs, but even then, I'm I'm just I'm gonna. This is a game where I want to dare Stanford to run the football on me. And Mm -hmm. so I'm going to play my linebackers on normal depth. I'm not going to do a lot of triggering, you know, on third and longs, you know, they've done a lot of pressures. I'm not doing that this game. Honestly, I'm going to play cover this game because what I want to do is I want to make sure that I'm making the throwing lanes to the big guys as sort of uh, crowded as possible, because here's why. If I got a six foot three, Elijah Higgins running against, Jaden Mickey, assuming Tariq Bracey doesn't play, or even Tariq Bracey if he plays in that matchup. And honestly, this is the, well, this is going to sound terrible. Never want Tariq Bracey to, to, to get hurt, but the timing of it actually works out for Notre Dame. To me, this is going to be a game where Tariq either was going to play a ton or he's going to play outside. And he is the worst matchup for, that Notre Dame has in this game. Because mm-hmm. what's the one thing Tariq has always struggled with? Big guys that they throw jump balls to, and, and there's nothing. He's like 5'10". There's nothing to do about it. Yep. So, you you know, this isn't wasn't going to be a game. This is a Clarence Lewis game. This is a Benjamin Morrison game, a Cam Hart game, in my opinion. So do you put one of those bigger guys inside if you're going to go nickel? Or do you say, hey, look, we're going to let Jack Kaiser match up against Elisha Higgins. I don't love that matchup either. Maybe... You do some things where you get a safety down in the box. You know, maybe you say, Hey, look, we're going to put Ramon Henderson in the slot this week. I don't know what the answer is from a personnel standpoint, but philosophically, Ryan, this is a game where I am going to say, We're going to make, we're going to, we're going to cloud up the throwing lanes as much as possible, and we're going to trust our defensive line to dominate. Now, Mm -hmm. if they can't, then I have some stuff we've worked on from a triggering standpoint where I can then say, Okay, let's heat them up a little bit. Right. But if you get into that situation, you're going to be in trouble because what I think is, is if you do that with your backers, then that allows your safeties to then do a little bit more over the top to protect against some of the outside stuff. So I can play cover two, allow Cam Hart, allow Benjamin Morrison, allow Clarence Lewis to be a little bit more aggressive at the line, get them off their tracks. That's the reason I like, the thing I like about cover two against bigger receivers, the the danger is the cover two hole throws when you have an NFL armor quarterback and they have an NFL armor quarterback, Right. So, but to me, the Notre Dame has the length to kind of somewhat protect against that. I am playing cover two and I'm really making sure that I'm, if I'm Al Golden and Mike Mickens, that I'm teaching them to ride that, get underneath that vertical release by number two. But I want you to, I want you to be physical against that guy, Mm -hmm. slow down their releases. And then I think if you're able to do that, then I can be success. I would also, this is going to sound a little strange. I'd play my cover two from tighter depth. Because I don't think you need to be 12 to 15 and then, bam, getting off of the top because they don't have the burners on the outside. So I'd play it from a little bit tighter depth because, again, it's all about clouding up the windows as much as I can. And if Stanford wants to try to beat me with bombs, then that's fine. Brandon Joseph can get back over top of that from 10 yards. You know what I mean, Ryan? So those are some things that I would do because I'm dropping my linebackers. This is a great game where Maris Luefow should be able to use his length to his advantage. It's a game where Prince Colley can use his speed and length to his advantage. You know, and then honestly, a guy that I would play a bunch this week would be Junior to Alamaka. I would mm-hmm. play him a bunch this week at Mike, with, you know, with J.D. Bertrand and say, your guys' job, you're playing with the line. You see run, you crash it, right? And then – you know, then I would I would play my I would play Jack I'd play Jack Kaiser more outside this game, you know, let him protect against yes. you know the tight ends and, and things like that and then use your safeties to help protect against some of the you know, your backside safety. So I mean I'm not saying I'm playing all cover two, I'd play some four, I'd play some roll, I play the point being is I'm gonna use my safeties a little bit to help to be prepared to help against some of those outside one-on-ones, but I'm trying to funnel them back inside with my uh, alignment, and then I'm using my linebackers to then get depth. Because so, the the best the be, one of the hardest defenses to throw in, in my opinion, is a cover two defense that gets pressure with its front four, mm-hmm. because the weakness to cover two, in my opinion, is down the field. I can do things against you down the field. I can attack the middle of the field. I can hit those down the field hole throws. I can do things where I can level a linebacker and things like that. But those things all take time. Cover two, to me, it was designed first and foremost to protect against the quick game, right? We're going to take the quick game away. Well, Stanford's not, Stanford will run some quick game. They run a decent amount of quick game. You're prepared. You're going to take away the Y options, the slides, the stuff like that, the now screens. You're taking that away. And then if you can then get pressure with your front four, that means you can drop all three of your linebackers into your zones, into your hook curls, into your middle of the fields and things like that, which means now the intermediate stuff is also clogged up a little bit. And now I've got to try to tack down the field a little bit more. Well, that, that's a harder to do when you've got your front four getting a pressure on you. So that's mm-hmm. why, Ryan, for me, I'm going to come out and give my front mm-hmm. four an opportunity to dominate this game. If they can't, then I have some answers for it. But if they can mm-hmm. dominate this game, especially in the pass game, Ryan, and you're dropping seven into coverage, mm-hmm. they're going to have a hard time. And you know who did this? You know who did this This defense perfectly against a team with big receivers? Stanford, this is exactly what Stanford did to Notre Dame in 2010. Because hmm. Notre Dame's two best receivers were who? Michael Floyd. They had, uh, at the time, Kyle Rudolph was still playing. Uh, Tyler Eifert, who hadn't really caught a lot of balls. Deval Kamara was playing a decent amount for that team as well. And so what Stanford did is they rushed four, dropped seven, or rushed three, dropped eight. Because they knew they could shut down Notre Dame's run game with their box. And then they just took they took away all the quick game because Notre Dame was running a lot of quick game, a lot of intermediate stuff. They were able to take Michael Floyd out of the game just by their alignments. And Notre Dame didn't have the time to get the ball down the field. I think it's a very similar game plan to what Notre Dame should employ against Stanford this weekend. And dare them to run the ball. If Stanford's yeah. going to try to beat you running the ball, then this should be a blowout. So yes. good question, Ryan. Uh, yeah. Now, what would you do? I mean, would you would you be more aggressive I, with I'm, it? I, I'm in between on it.
3: I, I kind of like the aggressiveness side of things, but like, I, I guess maybe my my hold back to buying completely into playing coverage is that when we've seen Notre Dame play cover two and other zone coverages, I feel like they haven't been as aggressive passing guys off as they need to be right. Mm-hmm. Like they're not contacting enough. They're not being vocal enough to who's vacating zones, who's coming into zones. If Notre Dame was, was better at it. I would be like, yeah, man, let's play cover two all day. Cause it makes complete sense to your point, right? Like it's, it would make it inc- extremely difficult I just think of like last week when I'm like, okay, they're playing cover two there, and then they just kind of let a guy loose, right? It's mm-hmm. just – or two weeks ago where I'm just like, it's just bad communication, man. And Clarence Lewis, the one against North Carolina, the long one, like he was in cover two and he just let the guy just go straight by him. Like he didn't yeah. contact him at all. I'm like, you need to contact and be vocal, man. Like you have to be communicate on the back end. If Notre Dame was better at that, I would be like, yeah, I agree 100% with you. I'm just struggling a little bit just because we have seen some inconsistencies in that area,
1: you know, just a little bit. And then, you know, we talk about get right games, right? You're going to have to be able to do that. You're going to have to be able to have those. You're going to have to be able to play more zone at times. You're going to have to. So get better at it. Practice it. Because here's the thing. if, If you're going with the game plan that I'm talking about, that means you're getting a million reps at it this week in practice. Sure. Right. And so and then, hey, Coach Mickens, Coach O'Leary, we got to really focus on this. Coach Mick, what's the point of emphasis this week? Really doing a better job of of contact and then riding through the turn. That's what they're not doing a great job of in cover two is you've got it's about being physical and then riding through the turn. Because what happens is a lot of corners on cover two, they'll like get a jam. And then when they turn around to because what they're they're playing a zone, they're going to play underneath the vertical Mm -hmm. route until they're threatened outside. And so you're basically bracketing high, low, that outside receiver. Well, what a lot of corners struggle with is they will lose guys in that turn. And that's where teams will kind of hit that hole throw. So the thing I'm focusing on this week is really, you know, making that initial contact and then riding through the turn to then see if there's somebody coming back inside. Right. And if you don't see it, then you keep working with them. But if you don't ride them through the turn, then you're going to lose the guy. Now I'm chase mode. And now I got to go find him. And that's mm-hmm. how they're going to hit those six-three high back shoulder cover two hole throws, right in front of Houston Griffith and DJ Brown and those guys, right. So the cor- that would be my point of emphasis for the corners this week. And you've got the corners to do it. I mean, Cam Hart should be great at that. Should yes. be Benjamin yes. Morrison should be really good at that. He's a pretty physical kid in coverage. It's something Clarence Lewis should be a master of. I mean, yes. that's something he needs to be a master of because that's like jo- be,
3: just like Julian Love was. Man, was should be the brilliant thing. at that.
1: Correct. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. So and then also you can keep things in front of you and close on the you know the quick game if they want to throw some slides at you your corners are there to drive on it and break those things up so yeah it's not something they've been good at I think you're absolutely right mm-hmm. that's maybe another and I didn't think about this but it actually adds to me wanting to do this more because that means a million reps at it and you know you get better at it do some of it next week against UNLV and really make it a point of emphasis because I also think it's a it's a, a philosophy that you're going to want to have against Syracuse as well yeah. And, and so
3: they they have some size as well. They have some size, but also they're a run oriented team.
1: And so this, that would be something to allow you to, you know, to, to, to to be able to effectively handle that. So uh, good, good question, Ryan. Very good question, because this is the matchup, you know, that, that that is the concern. Mm -hmm. This is it. If Stanford's going to pull off an upset of this game or even more so make it a game, it's going to be because of this part of the game. It, it, It will. And, USC was able to, to, to limit their pa- effectiveness in the past game really well. And they did it with pressures. Like they got good pressure, got their hands up, you know, and, and Tanner McKee had a really off game. They just never let Tanner McKee get in rhythm. And that was a, a big part of that game, a really big part of that game. And, you know, but the, the biggest thing is, is, you know, how many sacks they had in that game five. Wow. All right. Mm-hmm. And you know, that's one area where USC has been a lot better than I anticipated. They've been a pretty good pressure team this year. They dialed mm-hmm. up a lot of pressures. They did it a little bit differently. They dialed up pressures against, against um Stanford and it worked. But I, you know, to me, that's just not the route that I would go. Because I also think Stanford missed a lot of opportunities against USC. I mean, you were up that game. There's a lot of chances for Stanford to make plays in that game. They just didn't execute real well.
3: I mean, so. I, I, think, I think the formula to your point is Washington, right? Washington mm-hmm. was getting home with four all
1: yeah. day against Stanford. Like, yeah. They
3: could not block those defensive ends. So yeah. yep, it's going to be interesting. And I, would, I would
1: argue that was their most convincing loss. That and Oregon were their two most convincing losses. I mean, they actually moved. Yeah. I mean, the USC scores early, and Stanford mm-hmm. goes right down the field and gets in. And they, Tanner McKee throws an, an interception on a, you know, when he tried to do one of those back shoulder things, but he threw it low. So it got tipped up in the air and picked off and ran out of the end zone. Right? I mean they they had yep. they had two red zone turnovers in that game. I and, and he almost, if I remember
3: correctly, on that on that drive where he threw that interception, didn't they almost complete a, a throw in the back of the end zone for a touchdown? Yes. Right? That was just rolled yeah, I out think of it bounds. Was that drive? Yes, yes, I believe so. I believe so. Yeah, I think I remember. I that I believe one. it
1: was that drive. Mm-hmm. But they, I mean, there was a lot of opportunities against USC to, to get more points. Yes. They they were not in the Washington or Oregon games in my opinion, no. especially the Washington game. So, yes, I, that – I mean, because that's supposed to be the best part of your team, right? I mean, I would sit that. hey, I Washington, uh, if I would – what I would have done, it's a little too late now because it's Wednesday, but what I would have done is yesterday before practice, I'd have let Coach Washington know, hey, I'm coming into your your meeting at the very beginning, just letting you know. Let Coach Laird Knight has handled the linebackers for a little bit. You know, you got him just at the beginning. And I walk say, listen, fellas, you've got to be the foundation of our defense. This game – our game plan, I'm putting a lot of it on you guys. Our game plan doesn't work if you guys don't dominate. And I'd put it on them. They're veterans. They got to be able to handle that. I need yep. you guys to be on top of your games. I need you to be locked in because if you guys are locked in, you you guys are gonna you guys are gonna take this game over. And I think they need that kind of game. I think that's a, now the defensive line, and we have a question about that in the mailbag. Defensive line's played a lot better the last three games, especially against the pass rush with the pass rush. They've got, to, they've got to be at their best in this game. Because if they can be, they don't have to be. But if they are, then Notre Dame, they have to be at their best in this game if Notre Dame's going to dominate. Yeah. That's my whole point. If they dominate the point of attack, then this game is just not going to be close. Mm-hmm. And that's the weirdest thing about the Stanford team. Like Notre Dame should, based on what we've seen on paper and on film, should dominate Stanford in the trenches. And if you want to know why Stanford has faded in the last five years, that statement right there sums up what happened to Stanford.
3: Yep, there's the no fact, uh, there's no David DeCastro walking through that door, man. There's no Andres just feet and just the attitude. But door.
1: see, the thing yeah. is, there is. They're on well, the roster. <laughs> it's fair. It's fair. But they're not playing that way, right? I mean, Miles it Hinton
3: well. Miles yeah. Hinton
1: is exactly the kind of guy that you expected Stanford to have ten years ago. Mm-hmm, Big. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's a, a more. I would argue he's more talented than Andres Pete, just athletically. Oh yeah. oh yeah, right. But he doesn't mm-hmm. play that way. He doesn't play the way Josh Garnett played. He doesn't play the way David DeCastro is the ultimate of that. He yes. doesn't play the way Nate Herbig did in early in his career before all the injuries set in. Right. He doesn't play that way, and that's the thing. That but it's the whole line, and it's been that way for years. And that's why Notre Dame should dominate this matchup. Well,
3: I was gonna, I was gonna say, Brian. Like, I mean, think about like, like you said, the last few years. I mean, they underdeveloped Foster Sorrell, they underdeveloped Walker Little. They've underdeveloped a lot of pretty talented offensive linemen over the years, which is pretty wild to think about.
1: Ryan, let's get to the last part of this matchup, and that is just sort of the – just putting the kind of the bow on it, and that is the scoring offense against the scoring defense for Notre Dame. Notre Mm -hmm. Dame's red zone defense this year has been really bad at stopping touchdowns, but you know the funny thing is, they make teams work. To get into the end yeah. zone in the red zone, they really make teams work, but they just can't close out drives, and that's something they're going to have to get better at. Obviously, and, and Stanford is a really good. This is the weirdest thing about Stanford: they are in the top thirty in red zone touchdown percentage on both offense and defense. I'm going to look. Yes, 27th on offense or defense, and 27th on offense. And I actually looked at that because when I did the initial thing, I was like, "Hold on a second did i Did I look at the wrong thing? Did I? Did I double up on one? Did I look at like the 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 offensive red zone or defensive red zone for both, uh, and then like you know then put twenty seventh in for both, and I went and looked it up. I was like, nope, I got it right. They are twenty seventh in both. I'm looking it up again. They are twenty seventh in touchdown percentage in both offensively and defensively. They just the problem is Ryan. They just can't get into the red zone uh, yep. very often. And, I mean, fifteen times in in five games. That's only three red zone trips a game. So weird because this this offense does seem like it kind of lives off of
3: explosive plays, right? In the passing yeah. game, even though they're not very explosive in the passing game. Yeah. Like it's really odd, man. It's a yeah. really strange unit. Again, I mean, there's not there's not many excuses anymore, mm-hmm. Brian. Like this, there just isn't, right? Like this is this is a game where You're clearly the more talented team, right? Mm -hmm. Like your defense is clearly more, your front four is clearly more talented than the offense, um, the offensive line for Stanford. Your corners and well, your secondary in general should be able to match up pretty well, not size wise, but from a talent level perspective against a Stanford. So you need to force this team into some bad decisions, which is why I kind of pose the pressure situation against a Tanner McKee because Tanner McKee will make some bad decisions. At times Mm -hmm. when he is put into bad situations. But on the other side of it is is that he's not afraid to make any throw. Like he's not, man. He'll put the ball out there. So he's the guy that that we really need to frustrate in this one.
1: That's the key right there from what kind of building off what you're saying earlier, Ryan. When I talk about the game plan, I'm talking about it is not a never blitz, it's just be smart with it. And that's where you can kind of get him into some mistakes. My fear is that you blitz a bunch. Mm-hmm. And he just – David Chaucer is saying, okay, we're just going to attack the one-on-ones. We're going to back shoulder you all day. And all right. they can. They can. And that's what I don't necessarily want to see in their game. do. Uh, you, you don't ever – I mean, I don't know if you ever go through a game saying, hey, we're not going to blitz today. <laughs> I don't know if you ever do that, except if maybe you're playing the triple option. That's not really a team you want to blitz a whole lot. But it's just – that's not the base of who you're going to be. You it know, I'm not going to overwhelm them with numbers. Yeah, there, you comes back to there you the go. There you go. So that's kind of what I see. Uh yep. third down defense has been really inconsistent for Notre Dame this year. Mm-hmm. It's going to have to be good. I think that that as long, you know, I think they should be able to get a lot of stops early. The th- it's funny. The third down offense for Notre Dame, Ryan, was really bad the first three games, got a lot better the last two. Notre Dame's third down defense has been similar. They had two bad games. They were not good against North Carolina, not good enough against North Carolina, and they were. And that's that's a was a money down for Ohio State in that game. Ohio State's the only team that's gone over fifty percent against Notre Dame this year. They were very good against Marshall on third down statistically, very good against Cal, very good against BYU on third down. The problem is they've given up the clutch third downs. Yeah. That's been the issue. You were great. Because if I say to fans, Notre Dame was really good on third down against, against Marshall. Your first thought is, wait a minute. Hold on a second. Do you not remember the third nine they gave up at back? Right. That's the thing. Overall, 4 of 13. That's pretty good. If you're holding mm-hmm. teams to 4 of 13 on third down, you're doing a pretty good job. The problem has been that clutch one. And I just said that they were really good against BYU. They held BYU to three of nine on third down. The problem, they gave up that one bad third down conversion. They were backed up. That's the problem, right? Clean that stuff up. That's really the key for Notre Dame's defense. If Notre Dame's defense can just clean up the dumb mistakes, and none of them were, wow, what a great play by that kid. None of them were that, right? That's why we don't bring up the catch that Cam Hart gave up at the beginning against North Carolina or the touchdown against Jaden Mickey against North Carolina, or not a touchdown, but the big play against North Carolina because that was just a great ball and a great catch. And even if Jaden Mickey doesn't miss time his jump, I don't know if he can get to that ball. That was a great ball. It was an NFL throw to an NFL receiver. yep. And so you can, you're going to give up those occasionally. I can live with those, Ryan. That's where you say, make them earn their yards. The blown coverage against Ohio state unacceptable. Both of them. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. The, that, you know, the, the, the cam Hart trying to undercut that out throw, that should have been a nine yard completion, not a 50 yard touchdown. Yep. You know, the, the play against the second touchdown against Ohio state. I mean, two of Ohio state's three coverage touchdowns were on blown assignments. Mistakes, not guys just getting beat, just mistakes. Uh, same thing against Marshall, just blown assignment on third down. You just do your job, just do your flipping job on third and nine. Notre Dame right now is at worst four and one, right? At worst, four and one. And and it was the same thing against BYU. Just do your stinking job on third and 17. And guess what? Notre Dame still wins, they won the game, but it's a much more convincing victory. Clean that stuff up, and this defense then becomes a. Re- it becomes the defense we thought it would be. It really does. It yeah. really does. I, I truly believe that. Clean that, st- and it changes the entire perception of the defense. Notre Dame's defense has been excellent outside of ten plays this year. Think about that. But you, those ten plays happened, and it yes. factored into you losing to Marshall, right? I mean, there you go. That's really where we're at. So. That's the breakdown of the Notre Dame-Stanford-on-paper matchup. It's one that Notre Dame really has the advantage in every way. Stanford special teams has been okay, Ryan. It's not an area where they can or should overcome it. It's the same thing. You know, last week, Notre Dame's special teams have been very good this year outside of a couple mistakes. Last week, we saw one as a punt return against BYU. So I think just play clean there. It's another area where Notre Dame should have it. Because to me, special teams is more about do you have better dudes than they have, and Notre Dame has better athletes than Stanford. So they should be able to cover well and maybe, maybe get a block or a return or something in the game. Yep. So that's going to do it for this part of the show. We are going to have a mailbag next. We already have 28 questions. So we're going to try to roll through those as quickly as possible uh, before Ryan's got to get out of here. But before we get to the mailbag, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button, hit the notification bell, share this podcast, give us a five-star review. And remember, if you are going to be at Notre Dame on Saturday, Make sure that you follow me on Twitter. Make sure you follow Ryan on Twitter. Make sure that you're locked into the message board because we are going to have an on-campus event on Saturday. It's going to be around 3 or 3.30. We're going to have a live show. So if you're not on campus, we're going to have a live show at that time too. So we're going to have a live broadcast from campus. It's going to be a big event. We're going to we're gonna break some news. Can I say it, Ryan? We're going to break some news at that time too. So you're gonna to want to be there, and if you're in town, you're gonna to want to be there in person. I promise you, it'll be worth it. If it's raining, I will have my tent. We'll pop the temp up, the tent up for that part of the show, and we'll have some fun with it. So definitely make sure you stay locked into that and everything else going on in the Irish Breakdown podcast. <laughs>